Welcome to the Libraries Transform Texas podcast, where we showcase the value of Texas librarians and libraries. I'm Jessica Silva, and I am a faculty librarian at Austin Community College. Our topic for this episode is the Freedom Initiative and Library Activism with Freedom founders Becky Casada and Carolyn Foote. Hi, Becky and Caroline. Can you please introduce yourself? Hi, Jessica. Thanks for having us. Um, I'm Carolyn Foote. I'm a retired Austin area school librarian. I was a librarian for 29 years and an English teacher 10 years before that. And why we're here is I'm one of the co-founders of the Texas Grassroots Group called the Freedom Fighters, a group of librarians um, defending intellectual freedom and trying to uplift the library profession. Hi, Jessica. Thanks for having me. My name is Becky Calzada. I am a library coordinator in uh, Leander. I also am a co-founding member of Texas Freedom Fighters. Um, I am also um, let's see, involved in uh, ALA's Policy Corps, specifically their um, intellectual freedom cadre. And then, of course, I'm a part of TLA um, on the tech legislative committee, so do a lot of advocacy work. And lastly, I'm incoming president for AASL, so just my hands in lots of things. <laughs> Exciting. Thank you so much. Y'all are so inspiring. Um, first, I wanted to ask, what are some priorities that Freedom is working on, and can you all give us a bit of an update? Well, one of our priorities, really, since all last spring and the summer was um, the legislation that the Texas legislature legislators were working on all session and uh, ultimately passed House Bill 900, which is now under lawsuit. And the judge today issued the uh, temporary injunction against um, the bill. So we have been tracking that, trying to get people good information about it, working alongside groups like TLA, um, to to advocate for the freedom to read. And that's been a real uh, priority for our work, as well as more recently trying to expose school districts that might be trying to implement the law, despite the fact that there was an upcoming temporary injunction to, to halt the law and just trying to make sure people were aware that they didn't have to enact it. Um, I, I think that I think I would add to that um, is up until the injunction was formally announced, um, trying to help build understanding regarding the timelines, um, giving feedback to TLA for potential uh, opportunities to dispel, um, you know, it may be unanswered questions um, to offer guidance. And so some of that's part of the legislative uh, committee work that I do on the committee, along with several other uh, school librarians that are a part of that. Um, but we all, you know, I think um, one of the things that I appreciate about TLA is they are always seeking um, different perspectives and they look at different people to, you know, to provide, provide input. And so, you know, like getting timeline information and, um, and of course, like, you know, Carolyn said, we're still um, trying to help, you know, build understanding on the work of librarians um, and continue to share information regarding um, 
intellectual freedom, you know, what it is, what it isn't, dispel um, the misinformation that's being shared. Um, and then just offer support to anybody that's, you know, seeking, you know, a, an ear to, to listen to, to um, a shoulder to lean on, because um, it's really hard uh, when you're going through um, book challenges. Um, and it is unique and dependent on the situation, but, you know, sometimes you just need a perspective and um, we hope to offer, you know, the supportive ear. That's great. That kind of leads to my next question, which was what advice do you have for librarians facing backlash? And then also what advice do you all have for librarians that are interested in activism? So I always tell people, I mean, it, every situation is unique and different. Um, for some, um, sometimes it's just a lot of questions and one of the things that we know about uh, book challenges is that depending on the situation, sometimes people come in um, even peeled and just ask some questions, but then there are those that come in, you know, emotionally charged. And I think the emotionally charged ones are hard. And so just the anticipation piece is hard. Um, and so I just always um, tell people to you know, find first, not necessarily react because I think that's, uh, just recognizing, you know, when you're in an emotional state, um, you know, potentially leaves you vulnerable. Um, and so you want to get into that, you know, that place where you can, you know, answer questions. Um, and I think the thing that people also maybe don't um, think about in the moment, we are, we are, as a profession, people that want to solve problems and answer questions and provide resources. That's just the nature of what we do. But I also feel we can't have every answer. We just can't, you know? So being able to say things like, let me get back to you about that specific question, or um, how about I have the opportunity to read this book so that I can circle back to answer the concerns you have. And so almost, I say giving permission, but reminding people that, you know, this is not new for us in terms of navigating questions and in the past when we just maybe had one, you know, question a year, you know, one concern a year, you know, we would lean on those kinds of things to say, let me circle back with you. Let's have some conversations um, because it's hard. Um, but I think again, some of that is the climate and the climate kind of creates these situations. And so um, that's what I usually tell people to just, you know, kind of remind them about those kinds of um, ways to address. I think that's so important, Becky. And I, I also think just, um, really taking a moment to pause and collect yourself um, is important because it's very emotional when you're facing harassment or book challenges and so on and so forth. And so um, just being sure you're as collected as you can be in those situations is will help you navigate it better. I think it sparks shame. I always recommend people look at Brené Brown's work on shame because I think that's especially a trigger for school administrators, but administrators in general and librarians in general. Um, and that's part of the, and, and the other thing is it's super, very isolating. So finding colleagues, trusted colleagues that you can talk to or people like us that people trust um, that you can talk to behind the scenes to just help get your head straight around, you know, how to proceed. And as far as your question about uh, advice for um, librarians interested in activism, 
Um, getting involved in the Texas Library Association's legislative committee is a great way to kind of be officially involved. But there's plenty of informal ways, and some some of them maybe outside the profession too, like maybe getting involved with other groups like Children's Defense Fund or Texas Freedom Network or other groups that are um, engaged in this. So you're not just coming at it from the library angle or perspective, but you're making partners outside of of the profession. And then also, you know, really thinking about what is activism versus what is reaction, reactivity, because we all want to get on social media, of course, and, and just um, let our feelings out about lots of different things. But in this climate, that's certainly not necessarily the best way to take action. It's really better to find actionable steps um, in your professional organizations, in your community um, that are more um, within some bounds and, and guided by some best practices. Agreed. I think um, specific to this, obviously, you know, we're very passionate about libraries. I don't know that I ever, um, I've always also just been, um, advocacy has just been a really core part of the work that I've always done, telling the story of the library. Um, I, I think back to, you know, and, and of course things like this still happen, you know, with budget cuts and things like that. I mean, it's just been a critical part. Um, and if I've learned anything from great mentors like Dorcas Hand and you know, Mary Woodard and, you know, we, we we can't wait till there's a problem in a situation to start advocacy. So in the work that we do, you know, building up a base of supporters um, is so critical. And um, I think just leaning into how we um, engage people to move from just an awareness to action, you know, taking action, like emailing a school board or calling, you know, principals or whatever those things are, offering letters of support, those kinds of things. And so um, as far as advice, I just always tell people, um, I think it's going to look different for, you know, people's activism is going to look different based on, you know, you as an individual and what you want to do. Um, I'm so, one of the things I think Carol and I are super appreciative of, you know, people that thank us and, you know, I mean, almost a little bit of awe and it's not so much, I just, what I, what I want to tell people though, is that like we, I know I did not get to this place like yesterday, you know, and I think it's just been a slow build of working um, as an advocate for libraries. Um, and so if somebody had told me, you know, 20 years ago, I'd be doing these things, I would be saying, yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm so shy. And I was a very shy person. Um, but I think, you know, every step is a step and every situation, everything you engage in grows you for something bigger. And so you know, if you want to start, I love Carolyn's idea of starting within an organization or any organization of, of you know, that you would like to support with change um, that you're passionate about and um, start with TASL, the division, and then, you know, that's where I started. Um, and then eventually, you know, moved um, into um, with this the whole organization. So um, just, you know, every step is an action step and I never underestimate what your, um, the offering of your time and talent can do for the greater whole. 
Right, because sometimes even telling the story of your library to your own community may help prevent something that you, you never knew it even prevented. Yeah, yep. That's great advice. Um, Texas is a huge state, uh, both population and area land-wise. Um, how do you all connect with librarians across Texas and the United States, and why do you think that's important for the library ecosystem? I think we just landed or um, got motivated to connect because our first action that we took was a um, hashtag takeover on Twitter of the Texas legislative hashtag and asking people to celebrate diverse books that matter to them. This was almost two years ago now. And um, we planned it secretly behind the scenes. And we had over 13,000 people tweet that day on November 4th. And that told us there was a real hunger in people to celebrate the work of librarians, but to celebrate these books and what they mean to, to readers. And that was sort of the beginning of our work. But I think we've talked about this with each other and thinking about um, we aren't trying to replace professional organizations at all. And our role feels really different. But we do have an advantage in that all of us who were involved at the beginning presented at conferences for had presented at conferences or written for magazines for many many years and so our colleagues in texas knew who we were or a lot of them did and so we found that people were maybe more willing to come to us when they were having a problem behind the scenes than they were maybe to contact their professional organizations and um so we became sort of a, a stop on the highway and then we would relay the problem you know upstream or to someone appropriate or to the media um so a lot of our work connecting people has as I mentioned been behind the scenes so we get a private message or one of us gets a text or someone texts a friend of ours who then texts us um and said did you hear it often starts with did you hear what happened in x place and then maybe one of us knows the librarians there. And so then we'll reach out to them and say, can you tell us more what's happening? And so that's how it really, really started. And then, you know, we'll pass that along sometimes to TLA or ALA and say, did you know that this part yeah. of the state is having this? And so we're just part of that ecosystem. But I just think being trusted, um, people in the field already um, just helped with that but yeah. then as things have spread across the country I know you know I've gotten contacted by people in Pennsylvania because mm -hmm. their school board policy was being copied from a district in Texas and so you know it just started like that where people were introducing us to people and the there's a nexus of people that are working on these issues ALA, TLA, PEN America, you know, the Louisiana Library Association, Michigan, you know, um, and just because we'd also been in that atmosphere for a long time, we knew people nationally as well that that would reach reach out. Yeah. So a lot of our connections 
are through social media or just individual emails or contacts. Um, but we do get contacts through our website from people that, you know, are total strangers. We get emails from people from Canada. We've done interviews with German Swiss TV. Yeah. Like, you know, we've, yeah. we've been found by people just through word of mouth, I guess, primarily in social media. Well, and I think, you know, Carolyn speaks to um, the professional learning network that was pretty well established for us. Um, I, I think it's so important for librarians to um, recognize that, you know, we as school librarians are typically, you know, so low because we are the only one in our space and we're the only library professional in on some types of campus even. So we might have other librarian colleagues within our school districts, but sometimes, um, sometimes not, right? So, you know, being connected with others um, helps to grow your learning. Um, and I think back to when I was first a baby librarian, you know, a long time ago, um, that we didn't have, you know, social media to connect us, to share, to learn. Um, and so when we launched um, Freedom, hashtag Freedom, that we also were launching it during a time where, you know, yes, our library organizations were around, but it was still, I mean, nothing was formally created like, you know, United Gets Book Bans or um, Texans for the Right to Read. I mean, they, you know, I think the thing, you know, nothing against either of the organizations, but, you know, as organizations, um, they need to kind of think about their parameters in terms of, you know, launching things and their, um, you know, guidelines and all the things. And for us, it was really just about like, we want to share our love of books and remind people what books can do to change lives. And then it just kind of um, became this message of, you know, hope for so many and us just recognizing that we um, needed to lean on each other because uh, we have so much to share and numbers that we're, we're stronger together, you know, kind of reminds me of that, you know, hashtag we're stronger together um, so long as we're sharing, right? And so, um, and the connectedness is um, um, just something that was already something that we were doing, um, but, I think even through the work that we do, whether we're presenting or, you know, speaking on a podcast like this, you know, it'll reach somebody that hasn't, didn't know about us. And so these are all just networking opportunities. And I think they're good because like you said, you never know who you're going to meet, um, who's going to glean something that's going to help them. Um, and eventually, you know, circle back and you'll hear about it um, via somebody else, or maybe they'll reach out directly and say what you shared for the, da, da, you know, really helped me to do this, you know, so, um, it's just powerful opportunities if you put yourself out there and, and share. And I think just knowing you're not alone. And yeah. I also think a part of this is, you know, too often library jobs are kind of siloed um, for library workers. Either you're in a public library or academic or school. And right now we need each other. We need to lean on each other. Our messages need to be integrated. We need to support each other because sometimes maybe it feels too scary for a school librarian to be out there, but a public or academic librarian can bring sort of the needed gravitas to the scene and um, or write a letter to a superintendent, you know, explaining how libraries work because the school librarian themselves might feel like just too uncomfortable doing it. And so I just think that um, those connections and, and support for each other is so important right now within our profession. Very true. How 
have librarianship and library activism changed in during your career and lifetimes? Um, well, Becky mentioned advocacy had always been kind of part of her work, and I feel that way. Even when I was a teacher, I felt that way about teaching and education, and um, I guess it just is something that you know came naturally to me to to want to speak up. But um, but definitely in librarianship, um, I think the biggest change obviously has been the ability of first blogging and then social media to allow people to tell their own stories and to control their own narratives is um, it, it's really and all the technology tools have really afforded librarians lots of means for just telling stories about their data and stories about their work and their collections in ways that help the public see it better and, and have more access to it. And that's as librarians, of course, what we want is access. So the better the access is, you know, it's it's great for our mission of of getting people informed about whatever it was they wanted to be informed about. So I think to me that's the the biggest part of the change. But like Becky said, I think your skills and advocacy just get built over time. You know, I can remember when I did my first interview for my former district about a book challenge that was happening in uh, Round Rock. And I wasn't in Round Rock, I was in a different district, but a reporter came to talk to me about it. And, you know, I it was a little petrifying and I was trying to be as prepared as possible and being concise and, and controlling my thoughts and, and making sure I had my goals in mind. And now, you know, with Freedom Fighters, I, I'm our main media person along with Becky. So I do interviews a lot all the time. And like, I, I just, so it's something you do build up the skills just over, over a period of time. And that's how my personal activism has, has grown and changed. And of course, with being retired, there is a certain, um, you know, I'll own that there's a certain privilege and that I I have the ability to speak up more than someone who's employed in a district, especially depending on what district you are in or what's going on there or in your public library. Um, and so I feel an obligation to give back to my fellow librarians because it's something I feel very passionate about. So definitely concur with much of what Carolyn shared. Um, I, I think back when I started um, my career in librarianship, you know, I, I've also been very passionate about leadership. I mean, it's just something that I, I feel like that very few just are innately born with those strong leadership skills. And so for me, you know, like always seeking out mentors or learning from people, reading, blah, blah, blah. But um, TLA has always been so good about um, growing leaders um, through the opportunities like Launch or um, Tall Texans. And so Tall Texans was the first opportunity for me to really kind of engage in that and, um, you know, learning from others. Um, when I think about, though, again, that the preparation ground was really kind of rooted in, for me, starting just to tell the story and build understanding about the work that 
I was doing, which is, you know, changed, you know, when I started, I remember when like, oh, we were so excited to have five computers in a library. I mean, and, uh, or we were, you know, making a book trailer and that was like the thing. And I mean, it's just so different. So the landscape for librarians change, has changed so much and evolved, but I'm so proud at how libraries have always continued to evolve to, you know, face the changing needs and stuff. Um, and as far as activism in my lifetime, I mean, again, you're talking to somebody who um, was super shy as a child. I mean, I literally had to be ripped off my parents' leg to go to school because I was just petrified to be alone, uh, you know, but eventually, you know, I think as you put yourself out there, which I did like in high school with band and then in college as a resident advisor, I just think that, you know, through life, there are situations that are going to prepare you for greater things and you just never know what those are going to be. Um, but from all of these situations that you're involved and engaged in, there are takeaways that build the person that you ultimately become. And even through the hardest and challenging things, there's going to be growth. There's going to be learning um, that's going to prepare you for something bigger. Um, and so when I think about, um, and I'll give you an example. I remember talking to a reporter about what was happening on the intellectual freedom landscape. And I didn't think much of it because, you know, we talked to a lot of people and this particular reporter was with USA Today. And yeah, we were just doing this little story, fine. And then the next day I hear, I get a text from my daughter who talks about it being on the front page and of the paper. And I, I was like, you know, I think that it, it's certainly not something that I actively seek, but the surprise, because I think, you know, Carol and I just do this work. You know, we really want to tell the story and we want to tell an accurate story because what we know is there's so much misinformation and I think that's a big part of the change that's happened um, with activism is that you know how do we dispel some of that you know so going back to that you know it obviously we're really proud of the work but we also know that we um, have so many people that um, we talk to um, that maybe can't share because of, you know, fear for retaliation or whatever, you know, so we want to share those stories because um, that's what, that's the reality of what's happening. And there's just so many people that don't know, and we really want to um, make it known, really, so that people understand, um, and also understand what's at stake, because I think we're talking, we can talk all day long about how libraries are being impacted and, you know, yes, that, that is a reality, but we have to keep telling people about the importance of access for students, um, acknowledge that, yes, we recognize that le there's levels for students at grade levels. You know, we are not disputing that high school books belong in an elementary. We're never going to say that, right? And we recognize that there's levels, but we also need to dispel the misinformation um, and what's at stake for our readers, because, um, you know, that's a core value for our profession. And that's who we're here for, really. Yeah. Not, uh, not to defend librarians, but to defend the rights of readers. Rights of readers. Mm -hmm. Right. 100%. Um, Ashley, who are your heroes and what are you reading? It's my favorite question to ask people. <laughs> um, well, Three of my heroes are all women. Um, Barbara Jordan, 
who I often think, what would she be saying right now today to other politicians around her and her like resounding voice? And then um, two younger um, uh, heroes of mine are, one is Amanda Gorman, who's just a beautiful poet, but who spoke up very eloquently when her book was became part of a challenge in Florida. And then Malala, because again, of her work fighting for education for women in her country and for being fearless in a very, very dangerous situation. And so all of them are people that I really um, look up to. And what I'm currently reading, I told Becky, is Instagram. <laughs> I go through moments where it just, it all becomes too much. And so I retreat to my Instagram accounts about Korean dramas, which is my latest um, obsession. Love but I am, I am perusing um, a book by that Shannon Altman edited called The Fight Against Book Bans. Um, so that's actually what I'm thumbing through right now, um, in my reading. I used to always tell my students, you do read all the time. Cause they'd be like, I don't read in the library. And I'm like, you do read, you read your texts. So you yeah. totally read it. I promise. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so, um, so as far as my heroes go, so, um, one of my heroes is, um, my, my grandmother, so my grandmother, um, and actually it's my grandmother and my mom for two different reasons. So my grandmother, both were born in Bolivia, um, very poor. Um, my grandmother outlived four husbands um, and somehow managed to um, help her support her family through the various jobs, you know, to get food for them, four kids. Um, you know, and just so you kind of know, Bolivia is like a very, um, like a lot of civil unrest. And so some just died, but some were involved in, you know, some of that. So anyway, so one of the things that I learned from her, though, was, you know, she talked about, you know, being smart and how you didn't have to be rich to be smart. Um, um, just, and you also didn't have to be um, rich to be clean, you know, those kinds of like core, like, yeah, that's important, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but she was um, just, the most faithful person you ever met. Um, so religion was really, you know, something important to her and she was the best cook. Um, so, and I, you know, I think about her and I miss her, you know, a lot. So, and then my mother um, came to this country when she was 16 years old um, from, uh, as an, through an opportunity from um, an ambassador, ambassador who was uh, living in that country and offered her the opportunity to bring her here so she could put her through school. And uh, when I think about her bravery to come to a brand new country, not knowing the language and just, and then my grandmother letting her go. I mean, let's just talk about that. Um, it was just life-changing for her and obviously for the, for the rest of us, because, you know, here we are. And so I just admire that courage that she had to come. And it's funny because uh, um, when I got divorced and wanted to move from the Corpus area to, to Austin, she was just like, it's too far and you can't do this alone. And I mean, I think it was like almost 30. And I said to her, you came to a new country when you were 16. Are you telling me I can't move, you know, 300 miles away? <laughs> so it was just kind of funny. And just, I mean, the light bulb just turned off, but she was just so supportive along with my dad with, you know, our education. And so, you know, they didn't get past middle school. 
Um, so the library was a huge part. And so just always supporting us in our education. So um, obviously that changed our lives and stuff. So, and then the last person um, that is a hero to me um, is Terry Lassane. You know, so Dr. Terry Lassane, we all know, huge reader, um, instructor, um, and I, I did not go to Sam Houston um, State, but um, I knew of her through library conferences. And so I just admired, you know, she's just a fierce advocate about intellectual freedom. Um, and, and, and then she just knew great books and always shared. And it was always so amazing um, to see her at conferences and sharing, you know, books with people of all ages. Um, and so I just, I just, I miss her, especially now, because I just wonder what would she be saying right now? I just, you know, she'd be just so annoyed, <laughs> but you know, um, but yeah, sorely missed. And then as far as what I'm reading right now, I'm actually reading um, the newest book by Dashka Slater called Accountable, the true story of a racist social media account and the teenagers whose lives it changed. Um, I have both the book and the audio and the audio is just fascinating. I'm learning so much and I'm about 60% through and just um, have worked with Dashka um, on a panel. Um, she's a huge, you know, censorship, uh, uh, you know, champion for, you know, trying to, you know, we've worked together on panels for that too. So um, just highly recommend that book. It's so good. Um, I didn't even know about this. And so she did a lot of research. And so just, I think it's going to be something that it's a great narrative, nonfiction narrative for our high school students to learn from too. So. Yes. 57 bus is also yes. really great. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. That was great. Thank you.